Blog Talk Radio.
everyone, and welcome. Thank you, thank you, thank you for tuning in. This is T. Love, your host here at Energy Awareness Radio. I am a Reiki master and certified sound therapist with a private practice in Sussex County, New Jersey, where we are streaming to you live as we do every Wednesday evening at 6 p.m. Eastern Time. Our chat room is open, so feel free to join the discussion that's already happening online. We do keep an eye on the chat room, so if you have a question, go ahead and post it. We'll do our best to get your question on air. If you cannot continue to listen because you're on the go and you want to stay tuned with us, then please call us directly by dialing 347-202-0227. And that way you can listen live via phone or please be sure to use your Bluetooth if you're driving around. Before we begin, I need to thank my friends at Ad Runner for spreading the word about Energy Awareness Radio. If you're tuning in from Sussex or Morris Counties in New Jersey, you probably have seen the digital ad running in the various eateries. They have their screens running everywhere in New Jersey, and I must tell you they are fabulous. Whenever I have changes to my ad, they make the necessary edits, and the ad is up, if not that day, the very next day. And people have told me they found out about my show, Energy Awareness Radio, from the ad runner screens. So I am very grateful to them, and I'm very pleased with them, and you can find out more about them on their website, adrunner.co. That's A-D-R-U-N-N-E-R dot C-O. Now, for those of you who have been inquiring about my CD, Imagine, it is available for sale on my website, quantumwellness.org. It consists of four tracks, 70 minutes in total, of quartz crystal singing bowl healing music that was recorded without any digital engineering or remastering whatsoever. It is very organic in nature in that what you hear on the CD is exactly what you would hear if you attended one of my live concerts. So the CD has received some very impressive feedback, everything from relieving stress, inducing uninterrupted sleep, reduction in pain and inflammation, uh, chronic coughing, eliminating bronchitis. There are so many things that, uh, you know, I can only give you the feedback I get. And I have to tell you, I never expected this to be such a interesting little CD, but it's doing a whole lot of good for a whole lot of people. So I'm constantly amazed because in its simplicity, I am hearing it is helping so very many of you. So if you're interested, go to quantumwellness.org, scroll down to the video so you can learn more about sound therapy and how it may be able to benefit you. Okay, tonight, you know, we're going to be talking about death, and that is a tough topic for most people to discuss. We have all attended wakes or funerals for those we know who have passed, and we all know one day we too shall pass. That's a given. We start to die from the moment we start to live. It's part of the circle of life. First we become, then we are born, then we live a life, and ultimately we leave that life to be born into another realm. And we may have many answers about life, but we don't have as many answers about death. Even psychics and mediums who we really assume and, and, and think should understand death more fully than the lay person has difficulty understanding death when someone they are close to passes. So my guest tonight is going to shed some light on this topic, answering some of the pressing questions that we all think about. And I believe after reading her book that you will find what she has to say to be quite comforting. Echo Bodine, best-selling author of Echoes of the Soul, The Gift, A Still Small Voice, and tonight's topic, What Happens When We Die, is a renowned spiritual healer, psychic medium, and teacher who lectures widely on intuition, spiritual healing, and life after death. 
And she also hosts a monthly radio show and writes a popular blog. Now, you can learn more about her at her website, which is echobodine.com. Please don't go there until after the show because you'll want to hear what she has to say. Good evening, Echo. Thank you so much for joining us tonight. How are you being this evening? See, I'm doing great. I'm doing great. Honey, the only problem is it's getting cold here in Minnesota. Well, oh, yeah, well, you're in Minnesota. That's a given, too. <laughs> I know, but it's only October 23rd, and guess what? It snowed today. <gasps> really? It's like, oh. oh, this is not right. There is just something wrong with this picture. So I've been Did you make a wish? You always have to make a wish on the first snow. Did you make a wish? You know, sweetheart, I did not. I did not know oh. that is what you were supposed it's to do. It's not too late. It's 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 okay. It's not too late. You can make it today before midnight. <laughs> I always okay, do. I made I that was... up a long time ago. I just thought, you know, what the heck? It's snowing. It's the first snow. I'll make a wish. <laughs> sometimes oh, yeah. they come true. Sometimes the show's you don't. Over. You know, I'll, I'll promise I'll make yeah, my right. wish. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Well, you know, your book, What Happens When We Die, sheds a whole lot of light on a topic, the topic of death, and it answers questions that have plagued a lot of people, I think, for eons. And it's such an interesting topic, and yet even in this day and age, it is still somewhat taboo. There have been really quite a lot of books written about the subject, and they've been successful. So we know that people are starving for this information. And I think... It all starts with whether or not one believes we have a soul. And I believe we do, and I believe animals do. And I know you do as well. So let's start with the basics, if you don't mind. Would you please tell our listeners what the soul is and and answer the question, does indeed everyone have one? Uh, Good question. There are some people I've wondered about, but actually we all do have (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yes, a soul. Okay, our soul is made up of energy, and our soul looks uh, like our twin. It's it's always fun for me to see the person's soul because they look, you know, I can look at a person who's 93 years old and their soul looks uh, much different in the sense of not having that look of stress on their face. The soul looks younger, and um, they appear in clothing just like we do. And um, they are really us. They are our essence. They are our personality. And when we pass, that's what that's what moves out of the body and goes on to the other side is is us, our personality. And people, you know, I mean, T, when we were little, I don't know about you, but when I was little, the only thing I really knew about a soul was that prayer, you know, now I lay me down to sleep, uh, <laughs> I can't even remember the rest of it now. Yeah, but pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I should die before I wake, me. I pray the Lord my soul to take. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so I'm like, okay, God, whatever that is, uh, yeah, I guess I'm saying please take it if I go. I don't know. And, <laughs> and honey, really, that was all I got. I didn't know. I, I really I didn't know what a soul was all about until I started actually seeing them in my work. And I was kind of stunned the first time I ever saw it a soul because I, I, I don't know why. I, I just thought, wow, you're just like a person. And it, it actually took me a while to get it that this is actually the soul of someone. And then through my work, um, talking to other souls, they were the ones that have taught me so much about the soul and what we're all about. You Long know, it's, so, Sorry. it's It's so fascinating because from the moment you started talking, in my head popped a question that I can't even believe I'm going to ask, so I'm guessing I'm getting it. (laughs) This isn't one that I, like, thought about before the show. And I think that, well, let me just say it. 
Can we okay. see our own soul? <sighs> That's a great question. Can we see our own soul? Um, I have seen my soul, and it is usually when I've done some kind of past life regression or hypnosis um, of some kind. Then I can see my soul. Do we see it just on a regular day-to-day basis? Uh, Well, I know for myself I don't see it just walking around. But, you know, we are able to see it if we're in a certain state of mind. Yes. Mm -hmm. And for the person out there listening, if you see someone standing right next to you or in front of you that looks just like you but you can see through them, that is your soul. But most of us, I I don't really think we see our own soul. No, I think we feel it. I think we feel it. it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think if you're with somebody and there's a real, and I don't like the term soulmate because I think there are tons of soulmates. I don't think you just have one. And I think they can be of any gender, so it doesn't matter. But if you really connect with someone on a specific level, you truly, I mean, the eyes are the windows to the soul. And I know I have seen another person's soul. I know I have. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with you. I have two. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's very cool. <laughs> and you know when you do it, too. You know when it's happening. You're like, oh, my God, I'm seeing your soul. I know. It's such a deep connection. It goes mm-hmm. so so beyond the physical body. And, you know, it's like with some people you just, oh, my gosh, you recognize them instantly and you just, gosh, you know. Well, yep. for the people listening that have had the experience, they know exactly what we're talking about, and the people that haven't had the experience, they do not know what we, we're talking about. Yeah, they think we're nuts, but that's okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we're kind of used to that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, you mentioned in your book that, that people or souls have probably had hundreds of lifetimes, and I think you said that we may have died 200 times by now. And, yeah. you know, you'd think we'd understand death a whole lot better because we know how to do it, and we should be excelling at it if <laughs> we've ever had that many. But we tend yep. to bring in the baggage from other lifetimes, and yet we yep. don't, or perhaps we're not allowed to remember what that baggage is. And, yep. you know, we don't remember that passing is just another part of life. Why is that? Oh, my gosh, girl, it's for our own protection. Can you imagine if you walked into, I don't know, let's say a classroom, and, okay, so here's a whole bunch of brand-new faces but then all of a sudden you go oh wait a minute she's from my lifetime in germany oh that guy was my neighbor in france oh my gosh that person Ooh, that's right i borrowed their bike and never took it back oh geez i mean can you imagine remembering (laughs) all of it and then trying to cope with what's going on in this lifetime it's really for our protection that we don't have that memory that's, so you know, we don't get overwhelmed. Love it if we did, because there'd be so much Xanax being sold, it wouldn't even oh, be funny. Oh, gosh, girl, can you imagine? <laughs> I mean, and I'm sure you, T, in your work, um, I'm sure you've had, you know, I've had many encounters with people that I go, oh, my God, I know you're from a past life. And I'll, mm-hmm. sometimes I'll mm-hmm. even see the past life. But to do it with everybody that we've been in a past life with, that would just be too much. Well, you know, it's interesting you should say that because I went to South Carolina uh, three years ago and standing outside of a restaurant, I'm with a friend of mine, her husband had recently passed, and there was a woman sitting in front of the restaurant, gorgeous red hair, green eyes, gorgeous, strikingly gorgeous woman. 
And mm-hmm. my friend said to her, do you know where we can have dinner? And she looked at my friend and she said, um, well, I'm going to have dinner here tonight. It's rather nice. So we went in and I'm looking at this woman and her eyes connected. And I thought to myself, oh, my God, I know you and I love you. And I thought, that is just bizarre. So we walked in the restaurant and I said to my friend, you know, I know her from a previous life. And she says, what do you mean? I said, I, I swear to God, I just saw her soul. I swear to God, I just saw something there. I don't even, I can't explain this. And I just sat yep. there. I said, I can't explain it. It's not even worth going into, but I know right down well that there was a connection there. And I think it was a contract that was made before we got here between the two of us. And it was, it, it was, a, it was a big contract and it was settled that evening. And I never saw the woman again and I probably never will. And I never wow. saw it before. Yeah, but okay. I know that that contract that was made occurred that evening, and that was it. Okay, is that weird? Okay. <laughs> I totally understand it. Mhm. Totally understand it. Mhm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> There's another belief about souls, at least that I carry. I, I, um, I study a lot of quantum physics and quantum mechanics, and there there are theories out there now that you know. We don't have past lives, present lives, and future lives. They're all happening at the same time, and I believe that. And mm-hmm. I wonder, do you believe or do you have evidence that souls incarnate in many lives on different planes simultaneously? You know, I have done readings where, um, oh, gosh, where they, the soul has, the person has another life going on at the same time. I have. Um, and sometimes I can tune into those other lives. Sometimes I just get a, a message that they do have another parallel life going on, but there isn't uh, any information on it. Mm-hmm. So I would say, mm-hmm. well, you know, T, the thing is, a lot of people don't think that way, and so most people don't even ask would you look right. and see if I have a parallel life? I, I just, I, I can remember one client in particular. She was a woman, uh, she was a businesswoman, career woman, uh, single, white, um, uh, and, and was totally married to her job. But she said to me, Echo, I, I keep dreaming about this black woman with all these children, and I don't know who this is, but it feels like somebody really close to me. So I said to her, well, probably, maybe it's a past life. Let's take a look. So I look and I see that this as at the same time that she's living this this life as the white uh woman obsessed really with her work uh her other one of her soul parts are down in Alabama she's a black woman she's got five children and she's very dedicated to her husband and her family and so it's so interesting that Part of her soul was living as a black woman woman with a husband and five children, and the other part of her soul was living as a white woman here in Minnesota, um, dedicated to her career. So she, it's like she had both both worlds at the same time, but just wasn't conscious of it. Except that she did say she had dreams about this black woman all the time. Well, sure, it's energy, and it's her energy, so she's connecting. Exactly. Yeah, it had to. She, I would have been surprised if she said she didn't. What's interesting is that, you know, Dr. Brian Weiss, he's like the father yeah. of past life regression theory and everything. He was on the show a few months ago, and I loved him. And, you know, people thought, 
eh, you know, what's he talking about? He was kind of like looked at as a little weird when he started, but that has evolved. And he is fully in agreement that, yeah, quantum mechanics is really proving this theory that it's not a past life. It's not a present life. It's not a future life. We're, Earth came up with time. So therefore, time is just happening all at once. All these things are happening at the same time. I think what mm-hmm. people can't grasp is they picture themselves as this is their soul and it's an entire entity that comes in and manifests as a human. That's not how it works. It's not mm-hmm. your whole soul that comes in. It's a piece of it. So you can have pieces of you all over the place, <laughs> you know, and doing different things. So when you help yourself here, it stands to reason that you would be helping yourself elsewhere because, you know, energy is energy. And so if you're raising your vibration here, it's going to raise the vibration of all of these lifetimes across all time, space, dimension, and reality throughout all mm-hmm. history. Mm-hmm. Do you agree with that? You do. I do. See, I'm not asking the typical questions that people ask, am I? <laughs> no. <laughs> this is why Kim Corbin is publicist no. likes me. <laughs> She's like, she comes up with some weird stuff. <laughs> That's okay. I'm tracking. <laughs> yes, you are. Doing a great job. Thank you for putting up with me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but we'll get to oh, the content that's in your book because it's just so interesting. And I have to say, everyone, this book is only about 130 pages long. It is fabulous. It's a quick read, but you get so much out of it. So, you know, check it out, What Happens When You Die. It's really an interesting, interesting book. Short read, but you'll learn an awful lot. And, and it may just uh, give you some information if you already know some of this stuff. It may just add on a little bit. But there are a lot of schools of thought that state when someone passes, they no longer yeah. judge. They feel sorry for any hurts they caused in life, and they're able to see, now that they're on the other side, the bigger picture. So forgiveness and compassion are their MO now. Do you find mm-hmm. that to be true? Uh, not necessarily, I have yeah, to say. Okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, I've, I've heard of those books also that, oh, yeah, once they get there, they see it all. And No. Um, my experience has been that their consciousness doesn't shift that fast. And uh, I've met some people, T, I've seen some people on the other side. They're just as grumpy and uh, obnoxious on that side as they were on this side. They still are blaming their loved ones on this side. Uh, you know, they if they don't have a desire to grow in consciousness, they're not going to. And at some point they will, but it may take a few more lifetimes. And I wish I could say that people do see, um, they do see the truth about things, but they just don't, not until they're really ready to see them. Mm-hmm. So that's, yeah. I thought yeah. that too, but I wanted to hear it from you because you actually do do this. You see the souls mm-hmm. and you've talked to them, which was fascinating in your book to read all those stories about the mm-hmm. different souls that you actually could see and speak to, you know, yeah. uh, and, and you, you also talked about old souls. So, yes. you know, a lot of times people will think, okay, well, you're an old soul and, and that's a good thing. You must be having a lot of wisdom. When in actuality, if you're an old soul, you have to keep coming back and learning. You're not learning your lessons and you have to keep come, <laughs> coming back to learn them. So it's, you know, if somebody says you're an old soul, it's not necessarily a compliment. <laughs> but are you able to, <laughs> really, you know, are yeah. you able to tell when you're in a reading with someone are you able to tell if they're an old soul or is it something you can only sense when you're speaking to the soul itself rather than the human? No, I can, you know, so, so often when I do a reading for someone, I tune into the soul and that's where, that's 
where I get the source of the information, and I can tell, or the soul will tell me, you know, I'm a really old soul, uh, or no, I'm about halfway there. You know, the soul is pretty honest about it. People, uh, I have a book called Echoes of the Soul that talks about the different levels of souls, and, um, you know, the fourth the fourth level, at least here on the earth dimension, the fourth level is the highest, and, well, there are some fifth-level fifth souls, but they're rare. They're more like angelic people, angel people, really. Anyway, um, so a lot of people just assume, oh, I must be an old soul. And um, and I have met some people who are not necessarily that old and wise and um, have a better idea of the bigger picture, but a lot of people like to think that they do. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Especially yeah. if they get some type of a reading where it says, oh, you're an old soul, then all of a sudden, you know, they're like, oh, yeah. okay, well, you know, now yeah. I know everything. It's it's um it's kind of mind-boggling because sometimes that can be misinterpreted. You know, really, it can be, you know. I mean, I always ask questions, well, what does that mean? Or, you yeah. know, and I want to know what, when someone gives me a reading, well, what does that mean? Because your interpretation and the way that I bet, the way that you see souls and the way mm-hmm. that you see what is happening with them is your picture world, whereas if you had another person who did a similar thing, they may not see a soul the same way that you do. Right. They may see it right. differently. Exactly. You know? Yeah, because it would depend upon how far they've grown. You know, if you've got a level two soul doing a psychic reading, um, they're not going to even understand the level three or four souls. And so they may say, oh, you're an old soul. It's it's Everybody kind of comes at it from their own consciousness. And um um, you know, the one thing about being an old soul is usually an old soul will have a very, very full plate in this current lifetime, very full, mm-hmm. um, trying to cover or finish up all loose ends, trying to, I mean, you know, the old souls really end up diving into a lot of really heavy-duty stuff. And so on the one hand, uh, it's nice. If you're an old soul, because that means you're getting close to being done with it all. But on the other hand, oh, man, your life can be full of trauma and, um, oh, God, challenges and uh, a lot of different relationships. You know, you're finishing up old relationships. So it can be a handful, a real handful to be labeled a old soul. Yes, yeah. I think I think mm-hmm. it does get to people. They, it's something they feel they might need to live up to, and that yep. can cause a problem. Yes. Yeah, that's right. Now, as far as you know, what happens when we die? In your book, you stated, "I think the dying person's disburdening is more important than our discomfort." And now, don't take this wrong. <laughs> okay. <laughs> no but, offense. Would you I, read that statement again? Sure. I think the dying person's disburdening is more important than our discomfort. And I read that and I started laughing because I thought, you know, I've seen some people who are pretty, you know, curmudgeonly on the side, you know, and Uh, it's almost like, okay, is this your ticket out? Is this your, I got to ask for forgiveness now. They could have been a bastard in life and miserable to people and nobody liked them and beat their wives. And then all of a sudden on their deathbed, they're asking for forgiveness because if it were me, I'd be saying, little ain't now, buddy. You know, and I wouldn't be careful oh, about right. this burdening, you know, and that really, yeah. it shocked me when you wrote that because I thought, I don't think, I don't necessarily think in every case the dying person's disburdening is more important than our discomfort. I think sometimes, you know, that's not your key out is like now, you know, you get out of jail free card. 
just because right. now on your deathbed you were miserable the whole time you were here to people. You treated them horribly, and now you do this? Oh, no. Is that just me being bitchy? <laughs> no, honey, I don't you think it's being yes. bitchy. Um, I'm, I'm kind of surprised as you read that to me, like, what? I said that? Uh, disburdening? Is that, the bur- is that the word that was used? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, the book was edited also, so and I'm not going to blame it on them, but I'm just thinking, I said that? Um, yeah. What what I what I meant to say is that I think it's very important for them to um, deal with this stuff. Uh, you know, I was talking to my husband earlier today about when my mom was dying. We had some really intense phone uh, or not phone calls, but uh, conversations, and there were some things she said that were oh man, hard to hear, uh, but. Uh, but I realized afterwards, and she called me, she would call me afterwards and say, honey, you know, thank you for listening to me. I feel so much better. I've carried that secret for a long, long time. Um, I've carried that guilt for a really long time. That's the kind of thing I mean when I said that is that it's important for them to just get it off their chest, get those things off, you know, um, not just, I don't, you know, this whole thing of being a total jerk and then laying in your deathbed and saying, please forgive me. It's like, oh, yeah, right. Um, yeah. <laughs> that's yeah, what I honey, mean, no, I don't, I don't think that that's right. I, it, I just don't. You know, I think, you know, when you know it, was, it was when you were, you were talking about two daughters and their mother and one daughter uh, or maybe they were two daughters, I think, yeah, and exactly. the mother. And the mother, yeah, the mother was talking about the gold daughter, and the younger one was trying to, you know, make everything nice, nice, and, and all that stuff exactly. on the deathbed. Yes, that was yep. when it occurred. Normally, I write down the page number, and I'd give it to you so you could check it out, but yeah, that's I, just, I know I exactly, because that's what I was talking to my husband about today. Mm-hmm. Um, yep, I know what you mean. Yeah, I but, just you know, laughed. sometimes, I, and I, uh, you know, I remember with my mom, like some of these stories, I just like <gasps> wince, you know, like, oh, mom, I don't want to know that you had to go through that. Or, oh, geez, I never knew about that. And she said, well, honey, I didn't want you to know about that. And uh, but she said, I, I still carry a lot of pain with it and I don't want to take it with me when I go. And so that's what our conversations would be those last probably three months before she passed was, Honey, I need to talk some more. And then she'd tell me more. And really, T, these were stories I never knew about my mom. You know, I, and I'm sure my son, he doesn't know a lot of the stuff that I've been through. And um, so that's what that statement should be meaning is that, uh, yeah, it can be d- uncomfortable for us to hear that some of their stuff. But on the other hand, it's really good for them to get this stuff off their chest, uh, make amends, and uh, become a nice person. But for God's sakes, do it before your deathbed, you know? Right. And and actually, it did reference back to that story, which was about, you know, the, the, the – fact that the mother wanted to talk about these things and but, but they you know my question was about what about people that are looking for forgiveness you know because i just think are you kidding me you know seriously mm-hmm. are you kidding me now now you ask this question because you could have done something about it a lot sooner buddy you know and, uh, i totally agree that, with you i totally agree mm-hmm. i don't think that's right at all and then to put people on the spot like that you know well i'm about to die so will you forgive me for being a jerk it's like mm-hmm. really really I'm not allowed to have my own feelings about this. So, yeah, I mean, that can be a problem. Because I think probably mm-hmm. the 
probably in that case, the living probably say, yeah, I forgive you, but then they carry, you know, a whole bunch of stuff inside that doesn't forgive them. So that can cause a whole other set of problems. Well, sure. And sometimes, you know, one thing I'd, I would say to people is be very careful of your deathbed promises that you make to people when they're dying. Oh, because God, no I kidding, made girl. one. Oh, my God. I made one, and I'm not done with it yet. And I'm like, oh, my God. Okay, you, you know, you, you, you yeah. can't do that just because the person's dying. You can, exactly. and you, you do it because you feel compelled to do it. You feel obligated to do it. You almost feel like you have to do it, and you can't say no. But figure out words ahead of time that you can know in case somebody asks you something. You know, it, it, um, it's a very difficult situation to be in. I also yeah. think that sometimes when someone passes very quickly and unexpectedly, the people that are left behind are mm-hmm. more than grieving. They're more than – there is no word. It's ineffable. And mm-hmm. they want mm-hmm. to know that their loved ones are okay. And I believe we can all communicate with the dead, but some people are afraid to do that. Now, mm-hmm. there are people who can do that. Mm-hmm. It's something that you can practice. I think mm-hmm. people probably have a sense of fear or foreboding about it. But if someone passes, and, and, and I don't believe there's a specific time frame because I've had people come to me within three hours, within three days, within, you know, I've had that happen. I've had that occur. And I'm not what I would mm-hmm. put myself out there as a psychic, okay? But mm-hmm. I know that to be true. So if someone can't feel someone around them and they have this ability to do so, mm-hmm. is it something in their resistance? Are they afraid, do you feel? Or perhaps it, perhaps the person isn't trying to connect to them, but sometimes they'll talk to someone and say, do you think this is a sign? And I've had people ask me this, and I'll say, yeah, it is. And the person will be like, I don't know. Why don't they want to see it? Uh, That's a really good question. Some of it could be their religious beliefs, and so they're really torn about, okay, my religious beliefs say that this isn't possible, but I'm getting these signs, and so am I supposed to forego my religious beliefs and believe this other stuff? That could be part of it. Um, I, I know somebody right now who is going through that very same thing. Her husband died instantly. Uh, it shocked the hell out of all of us. And um, and now she's got little signs everywhere that he's around, but her religion says, no, that isn't possible. So she's really going through a lot of changes right now. She doesn't know what to believe. And, um, you know, I mean, I, I feel bad for her because she... She's a good, strong Catholic and um, very devout, and yet I can see that her husband is trying to communicate to her on a regular basis to let her know that he's okay and that he's there with her. And um, But even, T, even when I went to the funeral, um, she was crying. She was having a really hard time, and um, she was crying, and I saw him standing behind her, um, up at the line, you know, where the family greets everybody. He was standing right mm-hmm. behind her. He was trying to give her as much support as possible. And I thought, God, I just want to go over and tell her that he's right mm-hmm. here. But that would have really upset her. And so mm-hmm. I didn't. And um, and then the other day I ran into someone and they said that they had said to her, uh, you know, I feel I'm around a lot. She goes, yeah, 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 uh, I don't want to talk about that. So um, it, it's sad to me that 
a lot of the living are afraid to communicate with the deceased. Uh, they don't know how to understand it. They don't know what to do with it. Uh, is it okay? Uh, you know, and then, mm, I don't know. So, and then there's others who just are like, okay, he's dead. I, I, I'm i done. I, I don't want to go there anymore. I don't want to talk to him anymore. I just, I just want to forget this whole thing. And they try to completely shut the door on on the fact that it happened. So everybody kind of deals with this in a different way. I know when my mom died, and again, my mom was a very well-known psychic here in the Twin Cities. I come from a family of psychics. So we all thought, okay, this will be easy. You know, she'll, when she passes, then she'll come back uh-huh. and we'll all, you know, we'll all continue to talk. And T, she hardly ever showed up. And still, mm-hmm. it's only been one year, and we've all been really surprised that she hasn't come around more and that we haven't talked with her more. Um, we've asked, in when we've meditated, my sister and I both have asked, okay, Mom, where are you? What's going on? And a voice has said to us, it would be too hard for her to come back right now. She's still trying to get used to life on the other side without you kids because us kids were her whole life. So now uh-huh. she's trying to identify herself just as herself rather than their mother. You know, it was always I'm their mother. And so she is going through a lot of changes right now. And um, and I think that's why we don't hear from people right away after death. Sometimes we do. You know, it, every every person, it's a different story. And that's why there is no black and white, this is how it's going to be. For this, for everybody, it's like, no. Um, again, our mom, we were sure. I mean, she was ready to die. She was like, yeah, I'll come back and we'll still talk. You can see me all the time. And no, just almost the opposite. So it's, and you know, ahead, the, inter- the interesting thing about that is that everybody seems to think that once you die, everything's you're in la-la land and it's wonderful and it's great and you don't feel any pain and everything's great and you have all this freedom and you can do whatever you want and you won't gain weight if you eat ice cream or whatever, okay? I mean, I've heard it all. And yet, that is not the case. According to, to your book, some of the cases that we've read here, these people have places to go, things to do, lessons to learn. They have much to do on the other side. So it's okay, not necessarily yep. that they're avoiding people. It could right. be that they have stuff to do. Yeah, honey, they do. I mean, it is really like they've just moved to another neighborhood, and now they're getting used to the new neighborhood, and they're getting used to their new neighbors, and they're seeing old friends that they haven't seen forever. They're running into, they're seeing family members that maybe they haven't seen for 30, 40 years. Um, I mean, there's a whole new life going on for them once they let go of this life, and allow themselves to be on the other side. I mean, holy smokes. And so to constantly be pulled back here, uh, that's not a good thing for them. For them to constantly come back here and visit, that's not a good thing for them. Um, My friend that I was talking about a couple minutes ago, the Catholic lady, when her husband died, um, I tuned into his soul just to see if he was on the other side. What I saw was that when the accident occurred, his soul went right back to their home. And so when I tuned into him, he said to me, Echo, I'm going to stay here with her until mm-hmm. I know she'll be okay. And he said, it's going to take about 10 days. And I said to him, well, Jim, what about going into the light? And he said, I know all about the light. 
I know what I'm supposed to do, but this is what I'm going to do. And when I know she's okay, then I'll go on to the other side. And so he has appeared to me a couple times since he died, and he has said, okay, I've moved on. I'm still checking in on her on a regular basis. So, you know, yeah, for some people they get to heaven and it's just like, oh, my God, this is amazing. Um, Others, they get to heaven and go, yeah, it's amazing, but I've still got the depression and that's why I committed suicide. Um, Yeah, I'm in heaven, but... uh, I don't feel worthy of this place. I thought I was going to go to hell. I mean, it's very interesting, the different attitudes and opinions of people when they get over there. So, that yeah, is we interesting. Think, you know, yeah, we think, God, heaven, you know, it's going to be fantastic. But a lot of people, I have met souls who just go, I just don't feel worthy of this place. It's just so nice. It's so cool here. It's like, I, wow. Uh, you know, and it's like they have to get used to it. And used to the well, fact person- that- I'm sorry. No, it's quite all right. I personally don't believe in hell myself. I really think that if, if we are a product of a source that is very loving, that source would not yeah. allow anything to happen. That's, that's the case of a good parent. Now, there are miserable parents out there, and maybe they don't care what happens to their kids, but I firmly believe that our, the God of your understanding, whoever that may be, however you refer to that being, would not place you here and allow you to be here and then not take you back but banish you to the realms of hell. Uh, but that's right. just me. Has, have there ever been any souls that have spoken to you about hell? Honey, you know what they've told me is that there is a place on the other side that we, our souls, have created that would be like a hell-type place but they said that it's our consciousness that created this place and that God would never create a place like that or send any of us to a burning hell um, because, you know, why? Because we make mistakes? Well, that's how we're going to grow. I mean, uh, I mean, it doesn't even make sense. No. The people on the other side, you know, any of these people that I've talked to, they're like, no, there is no such place that was created by uh, humankind and so some souls actually there is they actually showed me this community on the other side that is like a hell but it is not anything god created it's something that we have created because of religion because a lot of souls think they're going to go to hell we our consciousness has created this place and uh the angel told me that once our consciousness has evolved enough that place will no longer exist yeah, I read that in your book, and I laughed because I thought, okay, that's good, because this is definitely religious-based. This is religion trying to shove things down our throats and keep us in line and make sure we do everything right according to their religion, when ultimately, I mean, every war is based on religion, if you go back to history. Ultimately, yep. you know, it's semantics. It doesn't matter if you refer to the God of your understanding as Jesus or Abraham or Allah or Muhammad or Ra. It does not matter. It's probably semantics and we won't find that out until we get to the other side you know but i really believe that that's probably true and that there is no hell because why would anybody create something so perfectly wonderful it doesn't make sense no it doesn't it doesn't because i mean i i just don't think that my my great maker is is psychotic i just don't i agree (laughs) it's all about love you know you mentioned suicide and that has to be an extremely difficult type of death for both the suicide victim and the people they leave behind. 
So what happens to those who commit suicide? Do they go to heaven? Are they able to come back? Do they have to repeat the life because they checked out too early? Um, Well, that's a very good question. There are there are caregivers on the other side that can, um, if if the soul is willing to seek help out on the other side, they can get the help there. Um, do they have to repeat the life? They have to do whatever they can to heal that pain. And something that uh, I wish everybody understood is that. When we commit suicide, because we're suffering from depression, that depression is in our soul, and that goes with us. And so the idea of suicide, that is not a solution. It, it's actually, it creates more angst for a lot of people because now they don't have a body, and now they can't work that stuff out on this side. Now, some souls I've met who have committed suicide, um, it seems like it was a good choice for them. Like they just could not go on one day longer. And they get over to the other side. And uh, the thing about suicides is that they they seem to have this feeling of unfinished business. Kind of like, you know, when you start a project and then you set it on the dining room table and then you you intend to get back to it the next day and then a month later you're like, oh, gosh, I forgot, I haven't finished that yet. That's the mm-hmm. feeling with suicide, folks, is that there's a feeling of unfinished business. They don't have to come back here but they have to find a way to heal that that depression, that sadness, that fear, that rage, anger. Um, they have to find a way to heal it some way, and that's why a lot of them do come back so that they have another opportunity to heal it. But they can do it on the other side. Okay, because at one point in the book you you talked about a friend of yours who had committed suicide and you said you checked in on him over the years and he seemed to be doing fairly well, but he had a suicide aura about him. Yeah, he did. Yeah, what is a suicide aura? Does that aura continue to the next life or is the next life that they live on in in the human world a means to learn and ultimately lose that aura? Yeah, honey, he'll lose that aura once he, okay, let's say that he doesn't do any changing on the other side. He just lives his life, and he continues to suffer from that depression. But he says, no, 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 I'm not going to do anything about it. Um, the a depression, a depressed aura is a gray color. And so he'll have that around, he'll have that aura color until he comes back. He'll come back in um, and... They'll find an appropriate body for him to uh, set up situations for him to heal the depression. And that as the depression heals, then his aura will change and it will become more colorful, different colors, depending upon what he chooses to do. But, yeah, you keep that aura because that's, that reflects your thoughts and your beliefs and, and your path. So, yeah, he'll have that gray aura around him until it changes and he begins to heal. Can you see that aura in someone when you're doing a reading so that you could potentially maybe prevent a suicide? Um, you know what? I don't see auras naturally. I don't. If, if I see an aura, it's usually just 
totally by surprise. Um, mm-hmm. The guides will tell me the color of the person's aura if I need to know it. But what they'll show me is I'll just see an energy around them of uh, a real heavy, heavy, depressed energy. and Or usually the client themselves tell me that the reason that they're calling for a reading is because they're suffering from depression. But, um, yeah, you can usually... I don't walk around seeing auras, but you can usually feel them when you're around someone that's really suffering from depression. Okay. Now, Mm -hmm. we're we're getting close to time here, and I have a question that a lot of people are not going to like, but I'm going to ask it anyway because, well, why not? Okay. (laughs) Okay. So sometimes when someone passes, and this happens a lot with spouses. I've seen it a lot in spouses. Okay. Someone passes, and all of a sudden – the deceased becomes a saint. All of a sudden, they could do no wrong. Do you know what I mean? They yeah. were beating their wife. They didn't. They cheated on them. They were a drunken bastard. They, you know, whatever it was, okay? Yeah. And now all yeah. of a sudden, the person is gone, and oh, my God, it's like they were the best thing since sliced bread. And okay. it's really difficult to hear that because you think, do you see what you're saying? Are they just feeling really guilty about how they felt when the person was alive? It could be. Or they maybe they just really want to believe that this person was really good. I don't know why people do that. I don't know. So someone know not come back and said she treated me horribly and thought I was miserable, but now she thinks I'm great or he thinks yeah. I'm great or whatever? I mean, that I don't know, sweetie. That doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Yeah, no, I know it doesn't, but I didn't know if any soul would say, oh, see, I wasn't that bad. She, she's saying this now, you know. Well, you know, you might say the, that. Might. You know, there's, uh, I, God, I don't know. I, <laughs> I told you I wasn't going to ask funny. the questions that they send. <laughs> yeah, never, uh, never, I, you know, I guess I don't run into that many people who say their, their, their spouse was a saint. I don't run into that <laughs> too much. <laughs> well, no, and I don't mean that they say they're a saint, but it's almost like they're sainting them because, you know, I think it's because yeah. they miss them so much or something, and maybe I just can't figure it out because sometimes yeah. I remember seeing it in, in um, this woman I knew years ago, and, and I just, I will never forget that, and I always wondered, why did she do that? Why you did know, she? I think because right. to this day she still thinks he's wonderful, and he wasn't. I mean, he wasn't. <laughs> what I have found, even with my mom's death, is that, I, I seem to remember the good times and not the bad. And so uh, maybe that's what that's all about, is that that's how the person wants to remember them, and now they've created this perfect person, and um, maybe that's how they cope with it. I'm not sure. Yeah, it could be, it could be a coping mechanism. You know, and yeah. the other thing that occurred in your book was when you were talking about your mom and how going through the process, she knew she was dying. You all yes. knew she was dying. You've all talked about it, and you, you know, you pretty much had it down pat. And and mm-hmm. that's not to say it wasn't difficult, because Lord Almighty, it it was very difficult to go through when it happened. But there's right. a fear that's involved with death. There are some people that are deathly afraid of death. You know, pun completely intended. Yeah, I really am not. I mean, I know I have stuff to do here, so I'm not ready to go anywhere yet. But I'm really not afraid of it. Do you personally fear death? No, no. I see it really as just closing my eyes, this body, closing my eyes, and then stepping over to the next adventure, really. it. Um, mm-hmm. You know, when I think about am I afraid to die, I, I'm afraid of uh, going through a lot of physical yuckiness, uh, but 
I'm just hoping maybe right, I'll go to bed some yeah. night and not wake up. But right. that's about the only right. thing I fear is what will the dying process itself be like? But, um, um, I, you know, I'm hoping for something easier. <laughs> some people just go through absolute hell in their dying yeah. process, and that I wouldn't yeah. want that. Well, some people but no, are the actual death help. itself and the new life, no, I, I, I actually look forward to that. That'll be pretty cool. I've always kind of equated it to, you know, if you're, and you said this in your book, and so I loved this because I thought, oh, my God, that's how I feel. When I was reading it and you were talking about um, going into the, to the light, and I thought, I always felt like when you're dying, you're actually, is, wouldn't it be funny if there were people on the other side that were just excited because you were being born there? Just like when you're, you know, you're in the delivery room, you're having a baby, and everybody's excited because you're yep. having a baby. But yep. when you're dying, everybody's morbid and, you know, grieving and all that stuff. But there has to be another end to it. So it's mm-hmm. a... You know, there's a connection. And then you said that in your book, what is coming through the Burke Canal? There's light at the end of the tunnel. And when you're dying, there's light. And there are all these people there to greet you. So I thought that was very very interesting. Mm -hmm. I know. It's cool. I mean, really, on both sides. Yeah. I know. I I wish people could think of it that way. You know, Mm -hmm. that would take away that angst. I think it's but, the leaving behind and not being able to share with that person again, missing that person. Because let's say yes. you're grieving a lot. You loved the person. There are people that die, and it's like, oh, that's really sad. And then there are people who pass, and, and the process is horrible. I've seen too many friends' moms pass in the past couple of years, and I see it in their face. And they're, they're putting up a good front, and they're, everything's right in their world according to the outside world. But you can literally see in their energy field that there's something missing there. And, and it's a hole. It left a hole in their heart. And you have to yes. feel for these people. You know, it's a very difficult yep. thing, and that's the hard part. It's not the person who died. It's the people who are left behind. That's right. That's right. Yeah. But, you know, yeah. one of the things that people can do is, and I talk about this in the book, is they can make a scrapbook of that person's life and all of their memories. And, I mean, really get into it and make it a really fun scrapbook of their loved one's life. And that is, in a way, I mean, you, you can take weeks to do it, months to do it. And uh, I have found it to be a really, a really nice way to heal that pain of grief and then at some point person's like okay there i did it you know i feel done and then they move on mm-hmm. they're able to move on now and then whenever they miss that person they can go back and they can go through the scrapbook right. and they can see all the fun pictures and all the cool things they type uh pasted in there so i highly recommend it yeah, and I, I believe that that's a very cathartic exercise. Anything like that, writing, journaling about them, or anything like that would certainly help a person go through the grieving process. Unfortunately, we've talked about this for hours, but we're almost out of time, Echo. So would you please tell our listeners before we go how they can find out more about you and your work and how they can purchase your book, What Happens When We Die? And again, listeners, I'm going to tell you, this is a great book. It really will bring a lot of comfort to you. It's, it's a short read. It's a quick read. It's got wit in it. It's funny, but it gives you a different understanding and maybe Maybe it will help those of you who are grieving to comfort you just a little bit. So go ahead and tell people where they can learn about you. Okay, T. Uh, my uh, website is echobodine.com, E-C-H-O-B-O-D-I-N-E.com. Um, all right, and they can get the book. It's 
pretty much in every bookstore on the globe, and uh, they can also order it on Amazon.com. I've got a store on my uh, website that they can order it from, and that if you click on that, that takes you right to Amazon.com. Also, um, I wanted to tell pe- I wanted to tell you when you you said that you were in New Jersey. I'm going to be in New Jersey. Um, let's see, November. I think it's November 8th and 9th. I'm doing a, a workshop there. Yeah, November 9th. I'm going to be there in um, uh, Woodbridge, uh, okay. New Jersey, doing a one-day workshop on psychic development. So if anybody's interested in that, they can go to my website and find out more information about that. Oh, that's interesting. That ought to be a great workshop. Hmm. I'll, yeah, I'll have to I do think it, about that one. <laughs> yeah, honey, I do it for Edgar Casey's. Um, um, oh, cool. You know, Association yep. for Research and Enlightenment. Yeah, I teach yeah. for them. Oh, great. Well, again, wow, Echo, thank you thank so much you for joining so me much for today. today. This was great. I, I really had a great time. I mean, the topic of death is not often discussed, not in the way of our discussion this evening, and I appreciate you taking time to join me, and I know you brought comfort to a lot of our listeners, so I really appreciate that, yeah. and, you know, very much. And everybody, you know, tune in next week. Uh, let's see, Energy Awareness Radio, 6 p.m. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter at NRG Aware Radio. I am your host here at Energy Awareness Radio, intending you and yours a most wonderful week. Remember, living from your heart is quite easy. You need only give thanks to do so. Take care and stay well. Good night.